You're listening to The Kylo Show, the podcast where we talk about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. And it starts right now. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Kylo Show. We are uh, doing it a little different today. We got a group of guys here, Ben Serple, Christian Zamora, and myself. We'll be, um, not only are we together all day in the Loving on Purpose office, but um, we're also all very dedicated to whole healthy families. Yeah. And um, today we continue in our series about men and uh Ladies, don't think that excludes you. And you know, uh, be sure to. You know, we want we want men learning about the ladies. We want the ladies learning about men. That's one of the reasons why we're just unpacking this kind of in an unusual way because uh, it it's a, va- a, a vital ingredient in that whole healthy dynamic is a whole healthy man. Yeah. So. If you if you got one in your life, dish this out to as many as possible, and um, it's only going to help. Yeah, I think the other piece as well, just in in the invitation to ladies, stick around, mm-hmm. stay with us for this one and the next one, is that that we actually need we need a healthy community to build healthy men, mm-hmm. and healthy community to build healthy women, and uh, so. If, if that really is true, which I, I, I believe it is, we need the ladies to, to actually understand what men are dealing with, where they're getting stuck, yeah. what what their job is, so they can jump in there and, and support that as well and add, add strength to it. So, ladies, we need you. Yeah. you haven't, haven't heard that yet? We need you. Yeah, and we need you to invite the right things and resist the right things. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, I would love to pose kind of the first conversation started here. Um one of the questions I think that, that can come up or, or that, that is, is seen in society for some men. Uh, so the first one sounds like this. What do you say to a guy who is a victim of life? And this is a very loving on purpose uh, opportunity here. The The odds are stacked, stacked against him. It's too hard to get a good career, support a family. There are no good women who will marry him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that guy who just feels like he's just a victim to all the things around him? Mm-hmm. Well, he's right. No good women will marry him because he doesn't sound like a very good guy. <laughs> All the good women are marrying real men. <laughs> Next. Ooh, Boom. No. Down in flames. <laughs> well, I think anybody can get there, you know, when you're struggling. The woe is me. It's, you know, even even a powerful guy. We, you know, talking about being powerful people. And um, it's Kylo principle number one, be, be powerful. So um, knowing that you are is is hugely helpful, but even a powerful person can go venture into uh, the land of, of victim mentality. But uh, for someone who's who's there, I guess my first question is, or trying to do life with them is figure out, like, are you visiting or do you live here? Mm-hmm. Like, um, if I have a friend who I know is a powerful person, who's a great man, who's, who's acting like a victim and, you know, is, I'm going to let him know that, hey, man, stop it. Don't do that. You know better. Mm. What's going on? What do you need? How can I help? But stop that thing you're doing because mm-hmm. it's not helping anybody, you know, mm-hmm. mainly you. So let's get it going. 
Um, if it's someone who lives there and I probably don't have that voice with them, you know, that becomes unhelpful. If I come up and they're being a victim and this or that, because they have a different belief system. They have a different, um, the way they see the world. I, Danny gave me a book a long time ago that was helpful. It was a theological book. It was the only theological book I ever read was like, uh, Harold Eberly. But oh, yeah? the, one of the main things I took out of there, he, he says so brilliantly is everyone gets to what they believe rationally. Mm-hmm. So this victim really believes that they can't succeed. Mm-hmm. So if I come in and just say, hey, stop it with this voice of... of Bob Newhart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the right message, Challenge. but I have, no, I have no influence. I have mm-hmm. no say in this person's life, and I just become another whatever, you know. And so with that person, I'm looking, depending on who they are, you know, I'm looking to give them truth and in, in, in love, you know, of like, hey, you know, maybe I need... If it's someone I care about, I'm building connection or maybe I have a connection. I'm trying to facilitate that in a way where they'll let me start to influence them and, and say, hey, we get to a place where we're saying, stop it, because mm-hmm. how's that how's that working out for you? And um, 10 out of 10 times, it's not going great for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I'm always going to help somebody find the problem that they can solve you know, as much as possible and keep keep circling that question. A, I want them to know that I care about their situation and their pain, you know, what, what the way they're experiencing life. And I see how frustrated you are. I see how scared you are that you're going to end up in a hole by yourself. B, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you? What's your plan? What are you going to do? And like, well, nothing works. Everything's everything fails. Like, oh gosh. Well, why do you think that is? What's the problem? So until they actually find that key, they have really no chance of unlocking this thing. So that you know, we're going to spend time up there. And and the crazy thing is that you'll help somebody find the key, unlock the door. Enter the room, and then walk right back out the door, lock it themselves, and and throw the key away or something. She's like, "What are you doing out here again? What is happening?" It's like, "Ah, oh, it was just so scary in that room. I couldn't handle it. So I'd rather stand out here and blame something else than to take that level of responsibility. I'm not ready for that level of responsibility." Yeah, Benning, Benning Leipzig, leader of Jesus Culture, once said. Something like this, he said, not not every man wants to swim in the deep end of the pool. Mm-hmm. Like some guys are content with just staying in the shallow end, mm-hmm. just just getting their toes wet. It was just a great analogy for me of, I think there's some guys who have become discontent. That 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 story you're making up right now about the guy walking back out the door, mm-hmm. somehow he became content, this person you made up, of, of living on the outside just with his toes just touching the water barely. Where the invitation is, come, come, dunk yourself under the water, in responsibility, in challenge, in risk, in courage, and and, and this invitation to true manhood mm-hmm. and, and masculinity. Um, yeah, it's just a. I think it's just a great picture for me of of that pool situation. Is you know, for some reason, some men are happy to stay there, and maybe it's the problem thing. They haven't really discovered what what's my problem that's keeping me back here. Mm-hmm. That, I, that I'm agreeing with and I'm protecting. Yeah, there's a there's an insecurity in us as people, you know, not just men, but an insecurity that paralyzes us, that um, overwhelms us, that 
disconnects us. And so it, it is a scary place to go stand in that and try something you've never tried before, mm-hmm. hoping that <laughs> you know the, the wise counsel that you got from somebody else who said, this is going to work. You're like, I don't know that this is going to work. You know, I don't know. I don't know this is going to work. And it's really about practice. It's really about staying in there and keep doing it and learn what you can, but stay in there and learn what you can and stay in there and learn what you can. I, you know, I went to top, top golf recently with some people, you know, which I think we ought to, we ought to go do that. It's, we should. It's just so fun. Can we just pause for a minute yeah. and talk about how Danny's describing playing golf? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a big yeah. deal for those listening. I had my cowboy boots yeah. on <laughs> and I am up there whacking this ball. That's and awesome. I, and I, and I, I learned a few things, you know, like, oh, well, that doesn't work. Okay, that doesn't work. And I got this crowd of strangers that, I, you know, I, I went to speak at a church and that's great. their whole family's there. And the dad used to be a golfer, you know, so he's pop, pop, he's, you know, he's, he's winning by 200 points and, and we're all like trying to f- hit the ball. And, but I did catch myself learning some things if I just played. Yeah. yeah. If I'll just play, I'm learning, I'm learning some stuff. I, and I, and it's not ideal. <laughs> None of this is ideal. And I'm learning some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, I was like, I could have easily sat back and went, you guys go ahead. You know, let the kids go. Let the kids go. <laughs> well, that was great. Oh, was, I'll just sit here and go. Huh, I'm going to go That's out there awesome. and stand there. And it was uncomfortable. And I, and I sucked. It was it was terrible. <laughs> You did it. But that's a, well, that's that's a secure man. There I'm going to go. go out and I'm going to do something I know maybe it's probably not going to be great at, and I'll potentially look like a fool, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me think any differently about myself. And going back to the pool analogy of some men just aren't willing to swim out into the deep end is because well, I can drown out there. Yeah, I could totally drown out there yeah. and die. And guess what? You might. You could. You're right. You could drown out there. But it's like all the fun stuff's in the deep end. Like you're going to do, you could learn to do flips off the dock and you can <laughs> swim underwater and you can do all these other things. And when people say, can we go swimming? It's like, yeah, I love swimming. And you get there and if you're over there just kind of putting your toes in the water, or standing in the shallow and people are like, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're swimming. It's like, no, no, I'm, we're swimming. You're doing something else. But the fear of failure or, you know, that deep stuff that a lot of guys have, like, do I have what it takes is I'm going to self-preservation i'm going to stay here right where, where i know it's safe and where i don't have to take on responsibility for the loss or the mm-hmm. failure mm-hmm. and uh i'm i'm totally okay living over here but you miss out like if you missed last episode we talked about how you miss out on all the best parts of life yeah. when you do that because you're really not living yeah and and water stays scary if you don't learn how to swim yeah yeah it, it's just scary stuff it's like oh my gosh there's the water again like I like the shower, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I like the sprinkler host. on the lawn. I, you know, I like water. Yeah, but when you get out to water, like the ocean or the lake or even a swimming pool, and you don't know how to swim, you're like, if I can't touch, I'm traumatized. Yeah, like that's why you got to learn the next level. You got to go out past touching. We're also talking about it feels like growth too in mas- you know, in, in your masculinity in your manhood like that you always are pushing the boundary line. Mm-hmm. You got to go find that edge and stay on that edge because we're going to be continually growing our entire lives or should be. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of two stories. One is like um, 
some Sherry always says, like, talk about growth. Like, if you weren't growing your your inner person or your spiritual life or your character, like, if we saw ever saw a kid who wasn't growing for years, everyone would be pointing and going, what's going on? Are something's we okay? Wrong. Something's wrong. We something's need to do wrong. something. Yeah, something's wrong. But there's so many people who remain baby-like or childlike in their character or in, in engaging their masculinity because they just haven't grown in that. And that mm -hmm. comes from taking risk and pushing boundaries. It, the second story reminded me of is my brother, you know, Charlie, who I talk about all the time at, at here. No one's really <laughs> met him, but people think he's fake because all the crazy stories. I don't know that Charlie's, but he's, Charlie he's Harvey does. We the rabbit. Yeah. 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 Mulder brother, he's the man. And and going back to, he's always pushing boundaries, but going back to those water analogies, he, he goes to Hawaii very frequently. And um, he met some local people, and they would take him out in the ocean. And he's like, I'm a great swimmer. I feel really comfortable in water. And they said, okay, great. And they start swimming out and out. And he's like, the next thing I know, we, we cannot see land. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes, what are we doing? And they tell him, they're all in the water. They, they tell him, like, slow your breathing, calm down, and float. You're going to float, and you're going to start to realize that you're okay. Mm. You are okay. And Charlie's like, it took me a minute. And this is someone who doesn't like to admit that they're ever scared about anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's sitting there and he's he's floating. And he, it's one of his favorite stories. It was such a conquering moment. So that's just a little physical feat. But this idea of who did that with him? Other men. Let yeah. me, oh, you're a great swimmer? Let me pull you out yeah. into, into waters that are going to make you feel uncomfortable. But now, guess what? He owns that. And now he's a floater. Now he's a floater. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. he's trying to do it to other people. Okay, another Great. question here. What should a man look for in a woman, and how do you find that? Where are the good women? Where are the good women? They're listening right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, <laughs> over here. Yeah. What should a man look for in a woman? I I think lots, lots of things. Um, I, I think I'm going to start here. It's probably not the place to start, but I'm going to start here. She should be attractive to you. I think that's often not talked about. So you should be attracted to her. That's that's a that's a great great starting point. I think the uh, it's something I've experienced with Brittany is is she she's so devoted to my success. She wants to see me win. Mm -hmm. She's so devoted to me becoming the man that I was called to be. And there's something that happens when when I get close enough to her and and that conversation gets going. She believes in me. Mm. I'm like ah, oh, that thing comes to life. Mm. So I want that kind of woman around me. And uh, so that's, that's something to look for. Mm -hmm. You know, does she really believe in, in, in who you are? When she hears your prophetic words, did she grab onto that and believe it with you? Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there's more. I, I should pause there. That's great. Ask one of the guys. I, what to look for in a woman or, or where are the good women? It's kind of gone back to my initial joke. It was like the, the good women are out there looking for good men or expecting good men. So if, if you're sitting there going, I can't find any good women, like at some point, if, if that remains a problem for you, you might go like, am I a good man? Am I am I attracting these type of women? Yeah. Why, why yeah. is there, why, what's what's happening why here? Why am I only attracting the selfish, immature <laughs> women? <laughs> and so there's some practical stuff in there that you know, what to me. look for. Like Ben, I, I appreciate that you said like, you know, they have to be attractive to you. I think we've had questions on the show before of like, I've found this guy I think is great and this or that, but what's the, there's one problem. What's one problem? I'm repulsed by him. I just yeah. don't like the way he looks yeah. like, okay, that's going to be a problem. Okay, <laughs> this could, yeah, this could lead to trouble. So it's, but it's going back to, it's, it's a small part, you know, it's an important part, but a small part, but going back to the character, I know, you know, I can only share from my experience and, you know, what I've 
saw my wife and what I continue to see, because, you know, going back to looking for a good woman and, and finding one and, and choosing her and continuing to choose her is um, the same thing in the belief, but it was this, this, um, this person who was for me, you know, this person who, 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 who's willing to love me in that dangerous way that we're talking about, you know, loving other people of, of, of someone who would also commit their life to me, who's in it for a covenant type of deal. And I, I, you know, going back to when you start hanging around people or women or you're dating, um, their character comes through. And I think if you're looking for those things of, of, um, you know, have a standard, you know, set, you know, kind of you've thought about, um, for me and, and Bree, there was certain non-negotiable stuff that both of us were looking for, and we scratched that itch for each other. And there was, you know, attraction, physical attraction. There's, oh, we have similar values, and oh, hey, I think we're going to do this thing. That sounds great. Now, love Jesus. Love Jesus. That was a big one. But I, something I want to say in there, and I, even if it, I don't know if it gets me in trouble, but maybe it's I, my personal experience. I didn't do a lot, you know, like I didn't take DTR to find the relationship, that course that we have in Life Academy. If you're thinking about dating someone, go get it. Mm-hmm. Go lovingandpurpose.com. Good stuff. Courses. There we go. <laughs> but um, there, there was some stuff that I had, we figured out on the back end of after we've kind of made the leap. And one of the things I, I think that I'm trying to say here is you, you don't have to figure it all out perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree. There's, 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 Let's make sure we agree on these really large things. And part of us getting married for us, you know, was at 23 of, we learned a lot about who we wanted to become because of the other person, because that, that relationship required that um, of me if I wanted to continue doing a good job. So my heart and devotion is to be a good husband and her heart and devotion was to be a good wife. And she became more of a good woman because I required or asked that of her mm-hmm. through our life experiences and my needs. And same thing for me. I always tell people, you know, I mean, men help make other men, but I was motivated to figure out how to do that because of requirement my my marriage put on me. Mm-hmm. Of, how do I love this woman better? She's worth that. She deserves that. Yeah. So she's calling out the best in me that I have to go, go figure out mm-hmm. how to go get this and do it well because... I am committed to being a loving, devoted husband to you for the rest of my life. And so I think that's going back to the belief and the devotion part of it, of this thing of someone who's looking for, for covenant, who is, yep. who's going to ride or die, as they say. <laughs> They're jumping in. Yeah, I, I think you got to find a woman that you respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not going to sacrifice much for something that isn't valuable to you. So you're going to have to... Marry up, you know. You're gonna have to marry someone that actually puts a puts a demand on you. Yeah. If if you marry somebody you think you can control, you'll have no respect for her. So look for someone that is doing a really good job with their life. That's great. And that, um, and and in particular, I mean, if you're if you're a, a, a follower of Jesus, make sure that she will always love Jesus more than she loves you. You know, make sure that... I remember when, when Sherry and I got together, that was a big deal. Like, like uh, we were both in the front row, just hard charging. You know, we were brand new believers. We, you know, we got married a year after we got saved. So we were, we were in it. We were in the, the zeal 
of of a new life and a transformed heart and and I was you know I was really in it like I I dove off the cliff I Sherry was down on the beach kind of wading in like I think yeah that's where and, she, and, she, and then she was out there floating and uh, I I thought this lady loves Jesus. She's going to make a great mom. Hmm. She's going to make a great wife. And I, I met her out there. I met. That's where she was. She was out in the ocean of commitment. And I found her at church. I don't know where else you're going to find these girls. You know, certainly not at a a bar or you know some concert or something, that's not where you're going to find this girl. Mm-hmm. You're going to find her where that's the culture, and that's what's expected. Brittany and I uh, saved ourselves for marriage, so we didn't have sex till we got married. It, it wasn't easy, but we did it. Um, but I bring this up to say, we just found that little plan we made the other day. So we're, we're 20 years married now. She's kept it in a Bible this whole time. The little plan was, was things we're going to protect to to guess the finish line. And one of those things, we laughed about it back then, we laugh about it now too, but it was keep Jesus at the center of our relationship. And uh, we laughed because we're like, well, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer, right? But it's just one of those things that's just stayed at the center. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just stayed stable. Like, this is, this is what we do. This is what we protect. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that and I'm doing that, something's produced between us that it's just such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Which I think perpetuates this this idea of I'm looking for the kind of woman that I want to marry that that really produces what we're talking about, and then I'm looking for the kind of woman that I'm married to to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. That she keeps growing with me, mm-hmm. that I keep growing for her and for me. That something happens that's just beautiful. So I think all the things you guys are talking about is it it creates this vortex, so to say, of growth mm-hmm. that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. If you're ready for a life-changing transformation, head on over to kylouniversity.com now and start your journey towards a more fulfilling future. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Your transformation begins at Kylo University. Visit kylouniversity.com today. Another question here. Um how do I get free from a porn compulsion addiction? Yeah. There's that question is being asked a lot. Mm-hmm. That question is on the minds of a lot of, you know, married men, men that are sabotaging their own intimacy with their woman because X, Y, and Z. And, uh, it's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think two things I would think about. One is, um, it comes back to that question you asked earlier. What's the, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, have you discovered what what this thing is that's kind of leading you around um, and and leading you to that as the solution? I think the other thing as well is is this idea of the, the Holy Spirit was called a comforter. And I think it's often the thing that men turn to to find comfort. Mm-hmm. That connects back to the problem. They haven't found the problem. They're looking for comfort for their solution. But um, if we're not letting the Holy Spirit in to comfort those areas of pain, of disappointment, of failure, of you name it, uh, you know, men are 
dealing with lots of things, and if they're not dealing with it with the Holy Spirit, they're going to find something else to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that comfort piece is h- how are you being comforted? So repent of the false comforter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of that too is um, even knowing what you're up against. You know, I was reading about or listening to, I forget now how the information was coming in, but um, supernormal stimuli, which is this idea of, you know, of what porn is, is a perversion of a gift from God and it's and it's heightened. And so your ability to smack the dopamine intake and the extremes and lengths at which it goes, um, it, it does become incredibly addictive, you know? And then it's like, okay, well, I have this problem. What am I going to do about it? Well, one is like, go put it out in the open. You know, it's like, go tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have a bunch of people holding you accountable. Like, hey, what are we going to do? What do you need? What's the problem? You know, how, what are you going to do about that? But then you actually have to do something about that. You know, I had a, I was visiting a men's group. A buddy invited me and we were talking through some things. And it, there was a young man there who was talking about how he's dealing with porn. And and the guy was talking about him like he had, he's been doing some great work. And he's like, you know, he's so open that he's dealing with this and he's putting it out in front. And, and that's huge because I, he was a pastor and he, he knows that so many men don't. So he was he's celebrating the fact that he's talked about it. Like he's sharing that he's going through this and he's vulnerable with it. I said, that's great. How long has he been talking about it? He's like, every time he comes. Every time, literally, a yeah. couple years. Yep. And it's like, okay, so there's when is someone going to require something different from this from this guy? Because, you know, to this degree, sometimes I have a little bit of um, a hard time with it. You know, not it, one of the strengths of mine is just the self-discipline I've developed. So, like, for me, it's like I struggled with porn at one point, And, you know, I brought that into our marriage um, really early on. I mean, needs not getting met new baby in the house, this or that, right? And, you know, I I just see the look on my wife's face when she found, finds out or that something happens. There's a conviction from the Holy Spirit, and I'm able to go, I'm done with that. Hmm. It hasn't been a problem since, mm-hmm. you know? And we're talking a decade or more, so it's like, we're good. So there's part of me when I go back and help others, it's part of me is like, well, just decide. Because that is part of it. You can stop just it. decide to stop it and not do it anymore. <laughs> oh, bury in a box. <laughs> I have learned, though, over, t- yeah, over time. <laughs> I have learned over time is I'm okay to keep that the requirement, to keep that the standard of, hey, stop it. Um, but, you know, going like, oh, okay, for some people, it is a little bit harder to break that addictive nature of it. And so it's like, okay, you're going to need something different than what I needed. But how do we get to this place of repentance? Because that's where I got super fast was the conviction of the Holy Spirit of how I was damaging my wife and our relationship. Mm-hmm. And when that hit me like a ton of bricks, that I was not protecting my wife in that scenario, that I was hurting her, I could stop real fast because right. that's the person in the world I do not want to hurt the most, who I am actually charged with protecting the most. Absolutely. It's my most important job, and I'm the one per- perpetrating the uh, grievance do against your job. her. So it's like, do your job. So do there was job. an immediate, whoop, that's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so I, you know, helping people get to it, maybe you're not married, and that's where it's you know going back to that. I had in my mind's eye, I have to actually know the value of the the marriage that I'm headed into. That my future wife, I don't know her name, I don't know what she looks like, but I have to value that relationship so much now that it's going to help me protect her before I even meet her. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna need Holy Spirit in that. I'm gonna need. 
other men in that, people to hold me accountable in that. So, you know, inviting Holy Spirit in is always a good answer for when you need help. Um, other men, these are different things that you can do that are pretty practical and, and uh, hugely helpful. Yeah, and when issues like this become uh, kind of a, a commiseration group mm -hmm. where like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Oh, I understand. I totally understand. I mean, I, I'm, I'm three days clean and I'm leading the group. I go, okay, wait a second. You're leading the group in a circle is what you're doing because everyone is just sharing their misery, but there is no road out of here. At, like yeah. what we need is understanding, like, well, some understanding, but what you really need is change. Mm -hmm. That's what you need. So make sure that you find a group of men that are going to require change because that's the only thing that is going to communicate to your wife or, or, or your woman that she's safe. You're going to protect her from this perpetual wounding that mm -hmm. she experiences with you. And, and so do your job and protect her and, and provide her with hope that, that you're going to manage you so she doesn't have to protect herself from you. You'll protect her from you. Yeah. That's your job. That, you know, we sometimes we think protection is like getting up in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> dealing with the guy in the other room. Like that never happens, really. And if it ever does, you know, you might have a fork. It's, you know, yeah, it's rare. Uh, Ben's got a great story <laughs> about somebody ended up in his living room and he had a fork. Mm -hmm. But um, it's classically my role of protector is going to be protecting my wife and my family from me, yep. from my. Uh, introduction of destructive cycles into my relationship with my wife or with my children. And this is where it starts getting toxic. It, it's not It's not about masculinity. It's about you not being masculine, mm -hmm. about you not doing your job. Yeah. So man up and stop <laughs> it and surround yourself with really great guys. That's what I would do. Um. Danny, I, I actually want to hear, I, I'd love to hear your answer on this one. Christian, you too, please. But I, I've heard Danny describe this a little bit. But why do so many men not want to go to church? Mm -hmm. and, and what should we do about it? There's this conversation happening somewhere out the, in the uh, mm -hmm. ether. Uh, I think increasingly uh, church is really uh, unsatisfying. You know, it's... it's uh, it's a place where you where you go and you listen to someone talk and um, and it, it can be community. I, I mean, I I I've been a part of church my whole forty years of this. You know, I I'm not against church, but I I think the the breakdown really is that the bond of men happens in doing things together, not talking together. So that's why men's groups and different things break down so quickly is they tend to be places where men come together to talk. And women come together to talk. So women's ministries are thriving because they have table talks and they have table hosts and they have, you know, they've got, you know, got a beautiful centerpiece and you got somebody up there who we all 
think is bold and courageous and you know and we get to and we and then we spend uh, hours together talking and then we call each other and we're texting each other and we're meeting each other for coffee and guys are more like you know golfing you know they're going to go golfing they're going to go out for 4 hours and you're going to get home and your wife's going to say so how's he doing since his divorce, you know? <laughs> and you go, uh, it didn't come up. What do you mean? You spent four hours, it didn't come up? No, no, we were... Uh, Why would it? Yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're playing golf and we're doing stuff. And, well, you know, does, is, he, is he seeing anybody? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I didn't ask. How did you spend four hours and you don't know the, all the things? Because guys naturally bond through doing things together. Like, this is my best friend. This I'd go, I'd go do that again with him. That was fun. We had a good time. There has to be a next level. You know, there has to be a, a place of accountability, vulnerability, you know, walking in the light together to really transform lives as men of God. You know, we do have to do both, but you can't just do one. And mm-hmm. church, I think for a lot of men is it's it's one is we go and we pretty much be quiet for a couple hours. Yeah. Sit and listen or talk. Yeah, which is uneventful and no fun to a large degree for most people. And I, I as you're talking, I can't help but share this example I'm seeing because I I've spent less time in churches in the ministry, but I've been participant in churches, and that's my experience in some of these men's groups is like, oh, it's just kind of boring, you know? And I'm not actually... Everyone wants us to commit our lives to each other and get to know each other and create community, but I don't actually see many people act doing that because... Um, but it goes back to men doing. So there's... Um, recently got connected through a friend. I went and spoke at a father-son camp out, and it was organized by uh, this guy named Quentin. And Quentin is... Cattell is brilliant. And he's a little bit different in his personality type, but, but super fun and, and wicked smart. And uh, so I go to meet him and we're eating lunch and he goes, hey, I'd love for you to speak at this event and here's how it works and this or that. So here's your job. He's very good. Like, this is what I'm expecting. I said, okay, this is great. I love this. I'm going to get to do something. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do something. And then he goes, and this is part of my, this is part of my plan that I'm walking out. It's a three or four year plan. I go, what's your three or four year plan? He goes, men don't participate at this church. It bothers me. Mm. It's wrong. We're supposed to be the leaders. Here's what we're doing. There's nothing here that men like to do. I'm going to create this thing where we, men events that we can do stuff together and just put them on. And so he starts walking through this three to four year plan on how it's going to end up with them doing missionary adventures as groups of men. But it starts with a father-son camp out. And he, I just got an email from him where he goes, hey, Two weekends from now, I'm going to X amount of summit. It's an hour away. Show up. Here's what you need to make the climb. Children over seven, probably not, you know, have to be over seven to probably do if you want to bring your kids along. But show up. Let me know if you're going to come. We're going to go climb this mountain together. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it looks like a casual invitation to do something. This, But he has a very purposeful <laughs> thing that he's walking out. And I guess what I'm saying a little bit is... Yeah, there, I think Danny nailed it. Why most men aren't engaging with the church? And one of the things, if you're listening to this, is you know, be a Quentin, be a man, yeah. man up, and go change that. 
And this is someone who just was brand new to that church. And the level of authority and responsibility they gave this man so quickly was insane. Mm -hmm. But why? He's a man. Mm -hmm. He likes responsibility Mm -hmm. and he does a good job with it. He's a leader. And people go, here, have you some more of that? Yeah. And that's what a man in an, in an environment awesome. looks like. He yeah. takes on responsibility, and he everyone around him thrives because of it. Yeah, such a stud. Yeah, and you don't have to uh, do that in the context of a church. You just have to be a man who's willing to take responsibility for other men. Yeah, and lead, and 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 show up, and it, and if nobody's following you, then figure out how to be. A leader, but what'll happen is if you take responsibility for doing things like climbing a mountain, you, you're going to have a couple guys that you'll build a friendship with, and you don't have to necessarily be the leader of your friends. You just have to be the guy that takes responsibility, and they will show up. They will, and. And dedicate yourself to that. Dedicate yourself to these relationships, kind of like what Ben was talking about when you essentially said to these guys that you're meeting with, like, I'm committing the rest of my life to you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, right there. Okay, (laughs) you just raised the bar on what it means, membership. You just raised the bar on membership in this group. Like, right, that's exactly right. And if you will take that level of responsibility, other men will respond. And I, I think this is the essence of building this brotherhood is I'm not waiting for the pastor yep. to make church tantalizing enough for me to appear. You know, I'm not waiting for the men's group leader to rally me. I'm actually going to take responsibility for the men around me that I love. Yep. And we're going to do stuff together. And in doing stuff together, there will be places of vulnerability. That hike, you know, whenever they, on the way there and when they get there, there's going to be things that men have learned about themselves and each other. Yeah. I I was going to add, I I, I think when I look back through the history of my life, I think some of the biggest moments when I've I've received input or or wisdom from a man, it's usually connected to we did something together. Mm -hmm. You know, so my youth pastor, Stewie. Stewie Wilkinson, mm-hmm. he's, he's still in ministry. He's, he's a great man, but I would get work construction with him. And we'd just do this crazy stuff together. And, and he had this influence in my life that, that no one really had up to that point. Mm-hmm. A guy named Craig from Alaska. You know, we almost died together in a whole bear encounter. Yeah. And he said things to me sitting in a car after that experience that, that went so deep. Mm-hmm. So there's just this thing that happens, which, which I think is what... What begins to build the church we're looking for is men doing a good job with this thing over here, mm-hmm. that I'm actually satisfying this deep need that I have, because I think they come into the church looking for it, mm-hmm. and it's not there. Like, it's I'm not I'm not getting this need met and filled. So go go do that. Go, go become the man that's taking responsibility for it. And, and worship is vital. You know, it's, yeah. it's vital. And worshiping as a community is vital. Yes. And, and group identity is vital. I'm not saying don't go to church. Right. I am saying that if you're looking for fulfillment in the brotherhood of other men, you got to do stuff. Yeah, you got to, and somebody's going to have to take responsibility for that, or because it's nobody has time for it, nobody plans for it. It's never going to happen. It's like when you see your buddy, hey, dude, we should get together. Yeah, totally. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's been two years since we've seen each other. Wow, how'd that happen? That's what that's what happens without trying. Yeah. So you're gonna have to adjust and move into that leadership role of taking responsibility. I'll ask a question. I haven't asked one yet. Well, there's one right here. And as men, what do you do with failure and disappointment? So let's say you said, okay, I'll take on the responsibility. I'll go do it. Mm. You step out there mm. and you fall on your face. Mm. <laughs> um, one, I'll just preface it with, I actually like that. If you failed, great. Because you did something. Mm-hmm. You tried something. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about lately, like this term of sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Mm-hmm. You know, and and most men are really good at becoming professional, you know, uh, commentators on other things. Mm-hmm. You know, and let me let me tell you about why that thing that happened was all wrong. Mm-hmm. If only this and only that, and yes. this is what's wrong, and we could do this. I'm the great deconstructor. The great deconstructor, <laughs> and and that's all they are is commentary. <laughs> you know, and they're not they haven't failed. You know, so they're looking at you know it's that whole man in the arena quote. And I can't quote it from heart, but, the, you know, the, the idea of, like, you can't, unless you're the guy in there in the arena, you, you don't have a right to say anything. Yeah. But let's say you did. You're in the arena and you failed fabulously. Mm. What do you do with that? Yeah, you hurt. <laughs> you hurt. You feel it. Yeah. Failure hurts. Disappointment hurts. Uh, feeling inadequate hurts. It's It's a, it's a real piece of it and so you're gonna have to feel it and and uh, and put it to work you know you then you then put it to work because classically we don't introduce significant change in our lives without some level of pain yeah typically uh, you know sometimes we change because of vision but we usually change because of pain and so the, uh, the nature of that experience is a consequence. And you have some, some questions to ask yourself. Like, what's the problem? What happened? What am I going to do now? Yeah. And uh, this is best in the context of, of brothers, of, of other men's eyes on your life. And, you know, if it's a financial failure, if it's a, a, a marriage failure, if it's a failure with one of your kids, it's a, you know, uh, something happened at work. You know, so you, you, there's lots of ways to get in on this experience. So uh, having other eyes on your life creates a, a productive conversation. The, the Bible says that that there's great wisdom in uh, many counselors, and that's not like many professional counselors. That's like a group of people who see me mm-hmm. and know me, and they they know my strengths, but they also know my excuses. You know, they know how I try to get out of responsibility, and but at the same time, they can cheer me on to face my fears, l- learn, take, take on the, the, the role of learner and try again, yep. you know, and, and that really is what's missing when men isolate themselves is they, they go victim 
you know, I, I seek my own desires, I turn into a victim, and then I, I rage against wise counsel. I rage against input. And I concoct a reality that just sets me up for more. It just sets me up for more failure. And usually the people closest to me suffer the most mm-hmm. from me not learning. Yeah. Which I, I, I think what you're describing is actually reframing how I view disappointment or failure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the first thing you said was um, f- first feeling it, you know, actually letting myself experience the emotion. Because what, what men yeah. are really good at is going, I'm fine. I'm angry. I'm good. Or I'm angry. Yeah. But I'm not actually dealing with, with what's actually happening in here. Yeah. So I just pile it up. I just get this big old pile of mess. Um, but then I, reframing it from either winning or losing to I'm either winning or learning. Okay, th- this is a learning opportunity, and th- this is a uh, you know, for me personally, this is a big one. Yeah, you know, I've I, I got lots of things I, I can point at where I now I, I view that as as losing, and there's lots I can point at as well. And I I got to view that one as learning. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different outcome mm-hmm. based on how I was view, viewing that experience, that failure, that disappointment. Yeah, yeah, it's also how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think when you see people doing the worst job with this. What they let happen was, I failed, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I lost, I'm a loser. Shame. And shame. So I'm staying in this place. And what people do when they're around you, they remind you of who you are and that you're not, you're not your failures. Mm-hmm. But the place you got to go to, you have to have worked out or you'll stay there, is who does my dad say I am? Mm-hmm. Who, who am I? Like, and when you're walking around with that level of confidence as a deeply loved son... Failure still hurts and it still stings, but it's not debilitating, mm-hmm. and it's it's it doesn't become an identity that you that you stay in very long if you do go venture there. But it's it you can move out of it and because you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff, guys. Um, <laughs> lots, you know. There's 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 a, we didn't even get through a third of these questions. You know, there's there's a bunch on here, but. It just goes to point out that, you know, uh, men are in a war, you know, and it's, it's, uh, you, you just wouldn't, you just don't go to war by yourself. Yep. You know, you, you go in with your brothers, you go in as a team, you go in with uh, people that, that you take a bullet for and people that would take a bullet for you. Yep. And it's just vital to the success of, uh, Making it through this life is that you know we're we're part we're part of something bigger than ourselves, amen. 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 Come on. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you on the next Kylo Show. Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode of the Kylo Show by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us on the Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. Don't forget to submit your questions and testimonies to thekyloshow.com. The Kyla Show is produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck and Anna Hill, and show promoter Christian Zamora. Don't forget, whole healthy families are going to save the world. <laughs>